everyone, and welcome to This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn. I am a wife, a mom, a teacher, a blogger, freelance writer, occasional TV guest, and podcaster. You are listening to episode 38 of the show. Today on This Mom Loves, in my favorite things, I'm going to be sharing a whole pile of nonfiction books. There has to be something in there for everyone, and I'll go through them really quickly, but some excellent uh, reading material I want to share. In the lifestyle segment, I'll be talking about tips for parent-teacher interviews in many locations. It's that time of year. I will be talking about that. And then my special guest this week is Sangeeta Patel. You may know her as an entertainment reporter on ET Canada, and she's also the host of HGTV's Home to Win. And this year they're doing Home to Win, Home for the Holidays, which is kind of fun, and somebody gets to win an amazing house that all sorts of HGTV personalities, designers, builders, all that have worked on. So that is going to be a great show as well. So make sure you stick around for that interview. Kicking things off with my favorite things, like I said, a pile of nonfiction books. So let's start with 40 Fathers, Men Talk About Parenting. And this is As Told to Tessa Lloyd with a foreword by Peter Mansbridge. It's, um, it's really great because I know It seems like there's a lot more out there about moms sharing their stories, moms talking, maybe not quite so much for dads. So if there is a father in your life, it would be a great, a great gift book. Some of the names that you might recognize, there's uh, Ben Mulroney, there's Justin Trudeau is in there. Um, People like musicians, people who are in politics, there's Bret Hart, Mark Kielberger, Trevor Linden, Alan Doyle, Peter McKay. I'm just throwing out some of the names off the top of my head here. Rick Hansen, Stuart Shanker, Kevin Newman. Um, Anyway, 40 Fathers. So that is a great new book. Again, as told to Tessa Lloyd, which you might want to read yourself. I read some of the stories. To be honest, I didn't read every word of every single one. I kind of picked the uh, the dads that I had heard of or that I I knew. Um, But but definitely, definitely worth giving to a dad in your life. The next one is... You Are Awesome by Neil Pazricha, and he has written all of the awesome books. And when I say um, awesome, I'm not just saying that they're great books. They literally have awesome in the title. Uh, So books like The Book of Awesome, The Book of Even More Awesome, The Book of Holiday Awesome. He also wrote The Happiness Equation. And this one is all about resilience. So Nine Secrets to Getting Stronger and Living an Intentional Life. And he's got lots of great stories in here, lots of great pieces of advice. Now, the review copy that I received says, not for sale or quotation. And I want to make sure I follow the rules, so I'm not going to quote anything. But there are a lot of different spots where he kind of challenges traditional advice and and talks about how certain things that we might hear all the time are maybe cheesy. We might want to look at them another way. So definitely, that's a good read, too. You Are Awesome by Neil Pesrita. A book I got out of the library, and thank you to um, one of my very lovely uh, Instagram friends for recommending it to me. She saw it online and tagged me because she recognizes my taste in books and knew I might like it. The Art of Making Memories, How to Create and Remember Happy Moments by Make Wiking. And again, really interesting. Like there's lots of research about memory making. So there's actually some, you know, facts and figures kind of stuff in here, but also some great ideas for how to better make memories, you know, for yourself with your, your, um, your relationship with your families and, uh, and certain things like one tip, for example, is you're going to remember a day where you did something different more than you are a day where you just did everything by routine. So, I mean, I'm thinking certainly of our, our trip coming up this summer to Ireland. Well, yes, I'll be remembering that, but even in your regular day, can you take a different route? 
home? Or can you try a different food for dinner? Or, you know, all those sorts of little things that you'll probably remember from the day better. And also just talking a lot about like taking photos and and talking about memories, it made me really feel a little more inspired to get out the old photo albums. I printed off pictures up until oh, maybe two years ago when I started just strictly doing digital albums on my devices. So we do have, you know, hard copies of some of the girls' baby photos and childhood photos to get out and look through. And they love it. And they love hearing the stories. And it really does refresh your memory. You think you're going to remember it all, but there are things that you have forgotten until you see that photo. So um, definitely got some tips from that one. Another one is Feeding My Mother by Jan Arden. Comfort and laughter in the kitchen as my mom lives with memory loss. So I'm sure you know who Jan Arden is. And this book, it's kind of um, oh, a bit of a, a memoir of the phase that going through with her mother as well as being a cookbook. There are some of her great recipes because what she ended up doing was cooking for her parents. Her dad has, has since passed away and then continuing to cook for her mom for a period of time and even if you've known anyone with, you know, dementia, Alzheimer's specifically, or anything like that, made me think a little bit of our experience with my mother-in-law. It just helps you maybe to relate to people going through this, even if it's not someone, you know, who's affecting your life. Um, so again, Jan Arden, Feeding My Mother, Comfort and Laughter in the Kitchen as My Mom Lives with Memory Loss. That's another great one. Bored and Brilliant by Manoush Zomorodi. So the subtitle to that one is How Spacing Out Can Unlock Your Most Productive and Creative Self. So this one's all about, you know, how people can unplug from devices to get bored and how that can help jumpstart your creativity and change your life. So basically what we keep telling our kids, that sometimes it's good to be bored and, <laughs> you know, that a lot can come from being bored. So some of the highlights for me um, in the book, she made a point in the book, she said, I don't like it when people call bored and brilliant a digital detox. I'm not against the idea of powering down completely for a specific period of time. Those kinds of breaks are great when and if you can manage them. But locking your phone away in a drawer doesn't help you develop better habits once that phone is back in your hands. So it's not the kind of book where it's like, yeah, you got to get rid of your devices forever and that this will, you know, unlock the power of your creativity. They, she does talk about, you know, maybe doing a little less on our devices. So she has some little challenges. So I haven't actually tried them. Now, I probably do um, accidentally uh, fulfill some of these challenges, but one of them is to have a photo-free day, which is kind of funny after just talking about the art of making memories, but a day to just enjoy your life without the photo. And I know I can sometimes ruin moments, I'm sure my family will tell you that, when for me it's about getting the picture. And sometimes it's hard because with blogging and doing some social media stuff, if I have some sort of partnership or we're being provided with something and I have a requirement to blog about it, I have to get the good pictures. It's kind of all part of the deal. And then I do want to share great things that we do, hopefully not to be like, oh, yay, look at my life, but also to give people ideas. Like when I did a staycation last summer, I wanted people in the Cortha Lakes, Peterborough area to have ideas of things that they could do with their kids, maybe new things, free things, all of that sort of stuff. So I was trying to do that, but I have to remember, okay, but my priority is my own husband and children. And if this is driving them crazy, maybe back off, but also for your own, um, your own enjoyment, your own sense of pleasure that you get out of things to maybe go a whole day without taking pictures of any of them. Uh, I delete the app day. So whatever app is the one that maybe you're most addicted to. And sometimes apps can bring you down too, like whether it's because of a, an addiction and a time suck or because of those social media things where you compare, maybe you can tend to get depressed about stuff you see. So I delete the app day. Also a day for no tech in transit. 
And I mean, transit, my commute is maybe a seven-minute drive, and so I might have Country 105 playing on the radio, which I don't know how high-tech that is, (laughs) a standard car radio. But I know for people who drive longer distances or if you're commuting when you could actually have your hands on something, trying to get your work done on your phone or on your laptop or whatever, on the GO train or whatever the case may be, can you have a a day with no tech in transit? Even I know I always recommend to people listen to podcasts, and please keep listening to podcasts. If you're listening during your commute, don't turn it off. But you know, to have a day without tech is interesting. And one other part of her book that I really thought was good was she talked about some pros of video games, because I think that's kind of a big scapegoat these days where it's like, oh yeah, those kids and their video games and oh, the violence, they get it from the video games and this is from the video games. But there are actually some, some proven and also some speculated benefits to the playing of video games. So I'll let you take a look at Bored and Brilliant yourself if you want to learn more about that. And the last nonfiction book that I want to recommend this week, yes, I have been keeping a big list. This one um, is called Help Me by Marianne Power. And it's all about self-help books. So I love a good book where it's kind of, you know, a monthly thing. January, you do this. In February, you do this. And so each month, she read a different self-help book and then tried to follow it and, and use all of the advice to help her with her life. So, I mean, one month was about money, one about relationships, one about career. Um, and something that was really great about her book was the storytelling Because I'm kind of working on a project of my own and I find when I get into it, I tend to lean a little too much into, you know, the facts and some research and all of that. But then I find when I read books, and especially when you go to conferences or different things like that, it's storytelling that really compels. And she had a lot of great, funny stories. So instead of just, you know, talking about what was in the book and reciting factually what she did, she would go off and, and tell a story. And I know I'm not as good at that for sure. So it gave me something to work on. And I actually reached out to the author through Instagram. And, you know, I shared the book and recommended it with people in my stories. And that's where I usually share most book recommendations is my Instagram stories. So if you like to follow along for books, check that out. And I do have a highlight section on books, which may be almost full at this point. I might have to start books too, but anyway, and then she replied back. And so we kind of talked a little bit and I talked to her about loving her storytelling and and we went back and forth a little. and, And she was also thankful for me sharing, which I think is always nice when authors do acknowledge people who share because uh, being a writer is not like a multi-million dollar business. I mean, it might be for maybe a handful of people in the world. So I do believe it does help when people share good books that they've read. And I think somebody else will probably pick up that book in the future. So I like when authors acknowledge and do thank you for that. So Marianne Power, much appreciated. So you should have been able to find some nonfiction book there that you would like to read. And if I talked way too fast, which I often do, you can go to the show notes at thismumloves.ca slash podcasts. This is episode 38, and you can check them all out there. Next up in the lifestyle section, parent-teacher interviews. So a few years back, I wrote an article for Today's Parent Magazine called How to Ace Your Parent-Teacher Interview. And also very recently, I was on the morning show doing a little bit of a true and false with some um, parent-teacher interview topics. So I mean, I have been on both sides of the... uh, the little mini tables with my own daughter's interviews. And then of course, doing 19 years now of 19 and a half of being the teacher on the other side. So I I do have a lot of experience with how that works. So some of my tips, 
One would be get in touch right away. You don't need to wait until that certain day, that certain time to share concerns with your child's teacher. You know, like that's the only time you're allowed to talk to them. Email if they, you know, encourage that. Make use of the agenda to share information, to ask questions, arrange a phone call, come and talk face-to-face if you need to. Um, Sometimes you might want to do this anyway. Sometimes interviews are student-led, and so your child will be there the whole time. So if there's some sort of concern that you don't want to address in their presence, and I do understand that, um, you know, then anytime, you try not to ambush a teacher. So it's usually best not to just show up at the school, or even if you're there to do a drop-off or pickup, you don't just say, oh, could we, you know, have a few minutes to talk? Because they probably don't have a few minutes at that exact point, and it might be awkward depending who's around. So it's really best to say, oh, when? When might be a good time to talk? And maybe you'll be lucky and they'll say, oh, I have a few minutes right now. But they'll probably say, oh, could I call you at lunch? Or or could you maybe stop by tomorrow or whatever? But definitely get in touch. You don't have to wait for that magical interview night. Come prepared to the interview. So if there was a report card that came out first, read it. Discuss it with your child if you have any questions, because sometimes you don't know what something means, but the child could easily clarify that for you, and it might also spark a few more questions to ask the teacher. And don't worry about writing things down. I think sometimes parents think they're going to look like nerds or overeager or whatever, but you're going to forget, like we all do. I have my notes written down, the stuff that I want to tell parents, so don't hesitate to do that. If you can, lead with the good stuff. So... I try to do that as a teacher too. Like if I know there's kind of something difficult I might want to say or bring up, I'm not going to jump right in there with it. I'm going to try to talk about the positives because every child has a positive and every teacher does have a positive. So even if you're having some sort of struggle, think of something. I mean, maybe your child loved a great field trip that they went on or they came home and told a funny story about something that happened at school. There was a cool science experiment, whatever, where you can at least just start with, oh, Bobby really loved the trip to the zoo or whatever. Start with something positive and then you can get into get into to whatever your issues might be. Don't hesitate to ask questions. Sometimes on a report card, it's hard to go into details and depending, you know, which province or country or wherever you happen to live, report cards might be done differently. Sometimes they're more kind of jargon-based. Sometimes they have to stick to a certain formula and teachers are kind of going around trying to be honest while stick within the rules. So be sure to ask questions to clarify or ask if there's anything else that they want you to know. And also think of it like a doctor's appointment where they say, come up with your most important topic first. I know doctors will often, you know, joke about patients who will come in and they'll talk for 15 minutes about their toe. And then on the way out the door, they'll say, oh, and I guess I have been having chest pains too. Okay. So that's kind of more important and we probably should have dealt with that first. So same thing, you know, make sure if there's a big issue, you get that, get that out of the way. Um, Usually it's pretty clear on the report card what the actual grades are. I know, especially when my daughters were younger, I wanted to ask, you know, about their behavior in class, things like that. It's hard to really ask, you know, who are their friends, that sort of thing, because a lot of friendships are more playground-based and they may not even be somebody who's in that class. You can certainly ask who they tend to gravitate towards in the classroom, but some of those things the classroom teacher might not be, be super able to tell you. And another good question is just to ask, what can we be doing at home? So obviously you're not going to cover every subject every night and all of these other things, you know, in the brief amount of time you have with your child before they go to bed. So just to ask the teacher, what's, what's their priority? Like if we're going to work on one thing at home, what could it be? The next point would be to stay away from some of the personal stuff like the divorce talk. So it's definitely helpful for teachers to know about family family dynamics 
And there have been many times in my career where a parent has contacted me to say, okay, well, my husband has moved out or whatever. And I've thought, well, yeah, I knew something was going on with the way the kid was behaving. So often we do see some sort of signs when there's something happening at home. Maybe a grandparent has gone into the hospital or, or whatever. So those kind of facts can be helpful for us to know, you know where your child's coming from right now. But you want to make sure that the interview is focused on your child's education. So it's not just about, well, when he's at my ex's, my ex doesn't do this or, you know, all of that. In terms of coming to the interview, if it's not something really recent and raw, it's really great if co-parents can come together to keep everybody on the same page. If you do, if you are remarried or there's another, you know, long-term partner who's involved in your child's life and in their education having them present can be fine as long as it's just not a case of, I'm bringing my brand new partner to spite my ex, right? That's not not what the parent-teacher interviews are for. Another step is don't bash other teachers. So it can be valuable to share past experiences, but try not to name names. Like you could say, oh, you know, in the past it's been stressful for Susie if she didn't you know, have enough preparation for tests, is it possible that you could send the review home a little early? So it's not like Mr. Smith never sent home a test review. It's awkward for us if it's a, if it's a colleague or if you're talking about the principal who is our boss or that sort of thing. Uh, be honest. So it's important to speak openly, you know, whether your kid is struggling with homework at home, maybe your comfort level with the curriculum, or maybe something about your child's health or special needs. I remember once seeing a tweet that made me really sad because the mom wanted to get a private psychoeducational assessment done for her child and wanted to know if people had ideas of where she could go where the results wouldn't be shared with the school. And I kind of thought, oh, why wouldn't you want the results to be shared with the school? And I mean, maybe the school screwed up somewhere along the line and uh, and didn't have that great relationship that they should have. But you really do want to make sure everybody's on the same page. Everybody has all of the information. Um, number nine in my list of tips is trust the teacher. So it's hard because you want to turn to the internet for solutions. And just like with health, we're Googling what different concerns might be, but try to listen to the teacher's suggestions and give them a try. Even if Google told you something else, like Google told you that the best way to do math was this way, or that uh, your child probably has this disability, kind of, you know, go with teacher, trust them. Um, Certainly share your research with the teacher. It's a great time to bring up something that you've read or heard and get the teacher's input personalized to your child without just kind of trusting, you know, what you've read on the internet. And my last tip would be to advocate respectfully. So we're always encouraged to speak up for our kids. And I know sometimes there's that, oh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease kind of advice out there. I think sometimes parents whose children have special needs feel a particular pressure to make sure that those needs are being met. So just try to keep things positive and respectful, like requests, reminders, things that don't sound like you're not doing this and so I'm going to call the superintendent, that sort of thing. Don't jump ahead to the principal when you haven't talked to the teacher about something first. And I know anytime I'm asked about this in an interview, I always say a good principal is going to say, have you spoken to Mrs. Wynn about this? Start there. Anyway, so you might as well start with the teacher and and go from there. And you know, the more respect, the better relationship you can have with the teacher, the better it's going to be um, for your child's education. And then just some little mini tips. Of course, you want to arrive on time turn off your phone, ask for a rain check if necessary. I can never fit in all the interviews for my class in one interview night. There are literally not enough spots. So I'm thrilled when people say, can we do a phone interview or can I just stop by after school some other day? That sort of thing. So that's totally fine. And, uh, and follow up with your child after the interview, share, you know, the good things that the teacher talked to you about, share with them some of the concerns and, and talk together about how you're going to move forward. Just a reminder that if you are looking for me on social media, I would love to be found. I am on Twitter and Facebook at This Mom Loves. 
on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves, and you can also find me on my site, thismomloves.ca. My blog is there. There's also a page for my TV appearances, a page with links to my print articles, a page with links to interviews that I've done with the with well-known people. So you can check all of that out. And there's also a contact form if you would prefer to send me an email. I would love to hear from you. You know Sangeeta Patel from her entertainment reporting on ET Canada, where she has interviewed all of our favorite celebrities. And she is also the host of Home to Win on HGTV. And it is back to give away another home in season four, this time a home for the holidays. Here to talk about that and so much more, Sangeeta Patel. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be talking to you again. So first off, let's get to the show. Tell me what we can expect on this season of Home to Win. I love the holiday theme. Yeah, it's pretty spectacular that we're into season four now. And you're right, it's the, we're celebrating the holiday, tis the season. And to be able to give a house away uh, through competing uh, at, during the holidays is pretty spectacular. It's a great gift. And there's so much talent associated with this show. I mean, I'll just throw out a few names. Courtney and Dave Wilson, Brian and Sarah Baumler, Sarah Richardson, Drew and Jonathan Scott. Did you pick up any design or decorating tips from any of them that you plan to apply to your own home? I mean, from what I've seen on Instagram, you've got a gorgeous house, but did you get any ideas? (laughs) It's funny you said that. Uh, Season two, I would come home and start looking at my house and I'm like, okay, that's not true white. There's different types of white. We need to paint our walls. I need to buy this. I need to do this. So I was inspired from season to to start making changes to my house and I, I I get to work with the best of the best and I've learned so much from them um, so for them to kind of show me the way they come to my house sometimes and and kind of say you know maybe you should try this or this uh, so yes I've started to doing decorating in my own house and let's talk about parenting for a moment my girls are 13 and 11 I think yours are just a bit younger I want to say 12 and nine yes that's right Okay. And what are your parenting ups and downs at this phase with your girls? It's <laughs> I'm learning right now. It's so funny to say that I actually have a teenager. She's 12 years old and I'm learning. Uh, they have mood swings. And my little girl who I used to know in the morning when she used to wake up that this was going to be her attitude has changed. I, every day is different and it's a learning curve and she's learning about herself too at this point. So it's a new challenge in my life. Um, you know, even if you make a joke, she may not like the joke and she may find it Mm -hmm. offensive when she didn't two years ago. So, uh, it's that dynamics of learning how to raise a teenager. It's a whole new learning curve. So I'm going through it right now. And, uh, I think her and I are both, both learning how to, how to deal with it. And I have to ask, and I really hope you're going to say yes, if your girls argue. And if they do, do you have any strategies that help? Oh, yes. So uh, again, her being 12 years old and my little one who's nine right now, Shyla, uh, she wants her sister's attention. She She's had it all this time, but that change that's happening for Ava right now, uh, it is affecting Shyla right now. And she always feels like her sister doesn't love her. And there is these little arguments, especially because we have a hedgehog at home. So they're in charge of our pet. They have to make sure they're taking care of it. And there's arguments about that as well. But uh, one of the things I make them do, even to this day, is I make them hug it out. I make them touch each other and hug for five seconds or sometimes 10 seconds and say, I'm sorry to each other. Even if one is not right and the other one is correct, I still make them say, I'm sorry. 
I'm laughing when you mention your hedgehog because we have a bunny named Thumper, and one of the biggest fights is whose day is it to feed Thumper? Whose day is it to give Thumper water? Right. Yeah. <laughs> totally relate. It's the same challenge. <laughs> so I know you travel a lot for your work on ET Canada. Do you have any travel tips that you find work well for you? Uh, for traveling, I have – so one of the things I've learned is that I like to prepackage my travel bag. So I have another set of makeup. I have another set of hairspray. All my cosmetic stuff is in a different bag. Uh, that's very helpful for me because I just throw it into my luggage and I have to worry about, oh, did I forget my lipstick? Did I have to do this? So I make sure that's ready to go. I even have another set of underwear and bras that I travel <laughs> with because one time I forgot to bring my underwear and bras, so uh, undergarments. So I, you know, now I have a prepackaged bag for that as well, because I could be last minute. They could say, you know, you're going to Vegas. I was supposed to go to Vegas tomorrow. Um, so it's just making sure I have those key elements in my bag. And I want to shift to a bit of a heavy topic now, which is racism. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe your parents and older siblings were born in India. You were born here in Canada. Is that correct? Yeah. My brother was born in India. My parents were born in India. Yeah. Okay. And I know, you know, throughout your life, you faced some racism at different points, but you shared a specific incident on social media that took place before Christmas last year. And it seemed to really shake you. I think you literally said you were shaking. Could you speak to that? Yeah. It's um, even just you talking about it right now is making me a little bit... Um, a little bit emotional. Uh, it's, you know, it's 2019 and here we are talking about racism. Um, mm-hmm. I've dealt with it when I was younger. I kind of took that, you know, it was part of my learning experience. And when I started this world of television, I, I really didn't really face it that much in terms of people acknowledging that my my skin color on television, because I'm in Toronto, that's where diversity was. Um, but then I became part of this national show, and I realized uh, there, this was a platform for women of color. I, I noticed on social media that some of my followers are girls and women who are looking up to me because I'm a woman of South Asian. Um, and so that, I take a lot of pride in that. And in this Trump era, I traveled to LA all the time. I traveled to New York all the time. And there was that incident you talked about where I was picking up my luggage, walking through a door in LA. And I shrugged a woman just going through and I turned around to apologize. And she start, started saying something, the P word. And I was like, uh-huh. I walked away and I'm still apologizing. And I just realized what she said to me. I haven't heard that word in 20, 30 years. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't even know why that word is still around. And for her to say that was just, I was shaken. I'm in LA and a woman used that word to describe me. Um, It was sad. I was was really hurt. And when I told my husband about it, he's just, he said, you know, you can't let that stuff affect you. And I'm not sure why it's affecting you that much. And I go, of course, it's going to affect me. And why is it affecting me that much? Because it's 2019 and I shouldn't have to think about this at this time. Yeah. No, and I appreciate how you did open up about that on social media and you're willing to talk about it here today as well too, because I just think it's important for people to hear. And I know sometimes I just think, oh, you know, that the racism like that doesn't exist and we're all getting better. And I think a bit of a reality check is is good for everyone. So thank you for being so open. Yeah. I wasn't even sure I wanted to post it, but it was such a raw moment and I just felt like this was going to resonate with a lot of people out there. So I'm glad. I'm glad you brought it up and uh, that actually people have felt it too. So it's, it's good. 
Moving on to something a little more positive now, I see a lot of women who work in television who have side hustles, and obviously hosting Home to Win, in addition to reporting on ET Canada, is one for you. Anything else on the go at the moment or coming up for you? That's a very good question. <laughs> uh, I'm working on a few projects right now. I, I can't wait to share it. I hope it goes through, but uh, you know, it's like, can I talk about it right now? But there are things in plan, and I hope to share it in 2020. Okay. And you will tell me when you can, right? I will. <laughs> Sounds good. You have kept up your Fitness Tuesdays posts for years now. I mean, it was several years ago I first interviewed you and you were doing them back then. And your muscle tone is definitely admirable. And <laughs> I have no problem myself getting on the treadmill or even going for a walk. You know, if I can listen to music, I'm watching TV, I'm doing something. But I have a hard time motivating myself for strength work because you kind of have to focus with the reps and the changes and all that stuff. Any tips for motivating yourself for those kind of strength activities? So I need your motivation in terms of getting on a treadmill and going for walks because I cannot do cardio. I don't like cardio. Uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's hard for me. So it's the same attitude. If you could take the attitude you have about doing treadmills and going for a walk and using it for strength training, that then it would work. Uh, for me, when I do heavy lifting or I'm in that gym, I just feel this empowerment. I just feel so strong and confident and any any issues that I may have, or I feel, you know, I'm not feeling great. It's all gone when I'm at the gym. It's just, it's me focusing on my body and I'm taking the time to focus on who I am. Um, so that's why I continue to do fitness Tuesdays to inspire and motivate people. And I do some crazy stuff, but that really is to show <laughs> that if I can do it, you can do it because you know, it took me years to get to this point and I love it. It is part of my schedule and it, and it really is to just to inspire people to get up and get going, whatever it is. And it's funny how people do seem to have their preference, whether they like doing the strength stuff or the cardio. It's usually one or the other that they much prefer. Say, I agree with you. I think it, whatever you can find in your life that can make you just start moving, just do it. Now, the final question I always ask my podcast guests is if they have a This Mom Loves or a favorite thing to share with listeners. It might be an app, a book, a beauty product. What do you recommend to listeners? Well, since I am working with CoverGirl, <laughs> mm, yes, and I'm their ambassador, uh, you know, they have taken their makeup to a whole different level of w different colors and it's celebrating diversity. So for me to be part of CoverGirl and being part of their change right now, I highly recommend their Simply Ageless Foundation. It's so smooth. It is sleek. I love the way it feels on my skin uh, and, it, and it fits every woman. So that's what I would recommend. I'm in the market for a new foundation, so I will write that one there day. You go. <laughs> all right. Well, I will have links for all of the places you can find Sangeeta Patel and Home to Win in the show notes for this episode at thismumloves.ca slash podcast, and it's episode 38. Thank you so much for being here, and good luck with the show, Sangeeta. Thank you for having me. And we are almost at the end of this episode of This Mom Loves. Before I sign off, we were talking earlier about storytelling. So I'll just tell you a story. If I sound a little bit different to you this week, I am currently recording with a sinus infection. Um, the nurse practitioner thought that it was viral, so she did give me um, an anti-inflammatory spray and antihistamine pills to help with the symptoms, but she prescribed an antibiotic and said, hold on to that for a few days and see if things clear up, which I know is a, a smart course of action because we don't want more antibiotics than we need, but the clearing up has not yet happened, but um, 
I know I should probably just continue to lie on the couch, but all I've been doing is watching Grey's Anatomy over again from the beginning. And it seems like when you're extra tired and you have a sinus infection, you cry even more than you did the first time you watched all of those episodes. So I mentioned on Facebook a little while ago about how I forgot about how some of the early stuff with Grey's Anatomy was so brilliant. Like that one scene where Miranda and Derek are in the elevator and he's sad and well, it could be about a patient, but you know, it's not, you know, it's because he wants to be with Meredith and she can tell. So she stops the elevator. She gives him his moment to cry. He's done. She starts the elevator again. Don't ask me why, but that would just really got me crying. But I just got thinking that it was really good. I gave up on the show, maybe season 11-ish. Um, because what is the show if Derek is gone? But, and I'm sure that's not a spoiler because I think everybody knows what happens on Grey's Anatomy. But I think now that these seasons are all on Netflix, I think I'll catch up to where I left off and, and keep on going. So, and if the sinus infection does not clear up soon, I'll probably get up to season 16 before I, uh, am healthy again. But anyway, that's just my little, uh, practice at telling you a story before I sign off. So again, as I mentioned before, anything from this episode you can find at thismumloves.ca slash podcasts. Click on episode 38. I always love to hear from you. So please reach out on social media, tag me, talk about the podcast, talk about anything. Maybe you read a book that I recommended or, or tried a tip that I shared. Maybe it's just something about the guest that I had on that resonated with you. Please, please do reach out. It really makes my day. And if I'm still lying on the couch watching Grey's Anatomy by the time this episode airs, then it will really, really make my day and maybe I can stop crying. Um, but anyway, I would like to thank you for being here. Thank you to my amazing editor, Lucas Wojcicki, who's so good that now um, another new podcaster has asked to borrow him. So he's doing some editing for her too. Let me know if you are in the market for a fantastic editor and I will be back with you next time.